friends, the angels have a very clear message for you this month, and it's this. Do not hold the vibration of fear. Hold the vibration of love. Do not hold the vibration of hate. Hold the vibration of peace. I wanted to let you know that we'll be praying more together here on this podcast. In my lifetime, I've witnessed personally miracles that occur when people come together and use their free will to pray. The angels say it shifts energy, creates an opening for healing, and brings positive change. Please join me at the end of today's episode and every episode this month to pray for and envision peace on earth. We'll also be praying together over on my Instagram page if you want to join us at Angel Podcast. Now here's today's episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And today we're here with Amber Ray, who I just got done reading her book. It's phenomenal. It's called The Answers Are Within You. Friends, isn't that right up our alley? That's what we talk about all the time here on the show. 108 Keys to Unlock Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Um, Amber, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Of course. It's such a joy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So you go through the book and you talk about these key takeaways and you're talking about your life and and really just these bigger aha moments of you stepping into trusting yourself, trusting Mm. your own energy. And there's a lot that I wrote down here. So I wondered if we could kind of go through a couple of them. Let's do it. I love it. Yay! <laughs> um, you say choose where your energy goes. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about this. How do you in your life choose where your energy goes? Well, it's so important because I feel like the noise of modern life is so loud and can be so distracting and crazy. And there is, you know, everything happening around us. So where are we channeling the unique energy that we have? What are we giving our attention to? Whom are we giving our attention to? What news outlets, what um, people on social media, like there's when there's so much information, it can become overwhelming where we can actually lose touch with our own selves, our own voice, our own power and vitality. And so choosing where our energy goes is really being mindful and discerning. And I think that's the, that's the key word there is, is discernment. And, you know, where, where am I putting my energy now where it feels really expansive and uplifting and really energizing for me? And where am I putting my energy now where it actually is like restrictive and restraining and doesn't feel aligned or congruent? I every week ask myself, you know, I'll like evaluate um, what was energizing this week and what was draining this week. And not that doesn't always mean like cut what's draining because sometimes it might be draining because I might be caught up in some story inside my head that's not true. And it's like, oh, I was draining because I was like stuck in monkey mind. Like, what's that about? What's there for me? And so I I find, you know, there's so, so, I feel like so many people talk about time, which I think is, you know, time is important. And yet really what I, I like to focus on is like energy. And because I ultimately want to feel alive and inspired and invigorated and to show up as my most, you know, centered self, because that's where I can contribute the most. And I find energy to be like a really key metric to evaluate and to consider and to uh, contemplate. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and it's interesting too. I wanted to mention this to the podcast audience. Sorry, like I'm having an allergic reaction with this eye right <laughs> oh, now. No. It's like watering a little bit. So in one of the podcasts, uh, like recently, I just wanted the audience to know I've been trying to get ahead with the podcast episodes. So this one will air March 7th or 14th. And today is like March or no, sorry, it's February 25th. Um, But for the Thursday episodes, I've got already done through um, like this summer, midsummer. And I think in one of them, I was talking about um, taking a step 
step back from the news. I was really praying mm. about a month ago and just like, I talk about draining, like I just couldn't do it anymore. And now here we are, February 25th, and all of this is unfolding with Ukraine. Mm. And so I didn't want anybody to hear that and think that it was in anything in reference to what's happening, because I do believe that it's important to stay current um, with what's happening in the world. Um, but for me personally, I think you're so right, Amber, we kind of have to check wh what is energizing us, what is draining us and look at when we can take on that energy, because it mm. is an energy that we're taking on when we step into it. And I, I think I love that you brought up the news point because I think that's so important because I think it's such a fine line between staying current and knowing what's happening and what's going on and obsessing and, you know, going from a place of fear and worry and anxiety where, you know, 30 minute check-in turns into three hours of obsessively, you know, getting caught up in what's happening in the world. And so that's, I think like a, that's where we can manage our energy. That's where we can choose, okay, I want to be in the know. And so I'm actually going to set limits and boundaries with myself so that I'm informed and can be proactive in my life. But then when it moves into actually this place of anxiety and fear and worry, then, you know, that's contagious too. And so like, then we can become that, we can bring that to our friends and our neighbors and our family. So it's, it's, I love what you said there. It's more like about like, what's the intention? Yes. So what's the intention that we're having? If we want to be informed or if we want to be, um, feel energized or we want to feel inspired, whatever those are, it's like, okay, then what are the activities that I'm filling my life with that help meet that intention? Yes. Well, and I love how you phrase things because for me, there are certain healers who phrase their things a certain way. We're, we're all saying the same things, right? But the way that you phrase it always seems to click in my head and it, and it, I see it from a different viewpoint and I'm able to then incorporate so much into my life. So to your point and what you were saying before, um, you're right. Like now I've been just like seeing what's happening in the world and then choosing how I use my energy really to pray and to say, mm. send loving energy because we know that that does heal, that has an impact and also to visualize the future, to kind of spend mm. time in future earth and and the peace, like bring that peace vibration to future earth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like knowing what's happening in the world gives you context of how to channel your gifts. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. You know? So it's yeah. like just knowing that it's like, okay, now I know my gift is praying and visualizing and you're being able to, then you're like in your energy or you're, you're, you're moving and operating from source, which is like what it's all about. So yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> okay. Here's another wonderful thing that you say. Your compassion within yourself ripples out to your friends and community. And when I read that, again, like it's the way that you phrase things, Amber. It's so beautiful, but it's so true. When we come inside and we have compassion for ourselves, it does spread to our family time, to our coworkers, to everybody around us. Talk to us a little bit more about this or maybe how this concept came in for you. Yeah. It's, so I had so many women coming to me being like, I don't have time for myself or like, you know, I got to be there for my family and, you know, a little bit of the martyr syndrome where it's like, I got to show up for everyone and like, you know, making time for my own inner peace, my own self-compassion, like that's low on the list. And what I, you know, always like to, to remind them is that it's an inner outer journey. And so, you know, making space to connect with compassion for themselves, making space to reflect and tune inward, which doesn't have to be this like multi-hour thing, you know, actually does have a ripple can be felt. And so it's, you know, I think it's so often, um, it's easy to look outside of ourselves and be like, what do they need from me? But really instead to start like, what do I need from me? And we, when we start with, what do I need from me? We can fill ourselves up then that is going to permeate and influence, you know, everyone that we touch. Yeah. A hundred percent. So it's like, um, it's not selfish, you know, self-care is not selfish. Self-care is selfless. Like it's, yes. it's, you know, it's how we get to show up and really, you know, be our best. 
Yeah. Well, and I love that question too, because that's the question that I have to go in and ask myself a lot is, is what do I need from me? What do I need from me? And I think that sometimes when I teach this, I think some people have taken it like we just do that once a week or once a month. But sometimes I have to ask myself that multiple times in a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I can. To- I can completely relate to that. Yeah. Um, Okay. I've got like a list here of like the aha moments I pulled away from your book. So number three is um, when you doubt your power, you give power to your doubt. I'm going to repeat that. Mm -hmm. When you doubt your power, you give power to your doubt. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's like the energy thing. Where are we giving our energy? What are we feeding? And if we're feeding and it's interesting, I, you know, in the last year I, uh, ended a marriage. I met my great love. I like made all of these wild transitions, which have been such a mirror for so many old stories, stories about, you know, I'm a failure and I should be ashamed that I got divorced stories about, you know, did I move on too quickly? You know, like it's, it's, it was, it's been interesting to witness my, um, you know, my own old stories and wounds. And it's it, to the point where I began doubting my power. And I was noticing that it was like, whoa, like it, it can like really take over. It can really start to like become heavy. And suddenly I'm thinking I'm like a bad girl. And, you know, it, it was, it's been interesting to witness. So it's, I had to like pause and check myself and be like, wait, I am feeding doubt. I am feeding fear. I am feeding this like shame narrative. That's not mine. And, you know, and it's having me give power to that doubt. So um, I think it's just like such a reminder of like, again, where, what, what thoughts are we giving power to? What thoughts are we feeding? Um, and to really feed, you know, the most powerful ones. Glennon Doyle asked this question that I love. I teach a lot of journaling workshops and she asked like, what's the most beautiful, um, I think I might be riffing on it, but like, what's the most beautiful version of your life that you can imagine when you feel you're most powerful. And I love that as an exercise of visualization and reflection and really like, because when we can see ourselves as our most powerful, we can, you know, step into and embody and live from that place. Yeah. Let me ask you this. There's a lot of work that goes along with spirituality. There's a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves. And there's a lot of layers that we have to peel back one after another after another. And it feels like just when you think you're done, like another layer presents itself. Do you ever get frustrated with the process? Yeah. I mean, I I think it can be exhausting. Um, You know, I, it's, it's like, it's so funny because I came into this new relationship being like, I have healed so much ancestral trauma. (laughs) I am like coming into this as my like most powerful self. And then literally my inner five-year-old was like, ah, you know, I was like, whoa, did not see that coming, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's been interesting, the the mirror of relationship and the mirror of extraordinary love and the mirror of like, when we, we bring bigness into our lives, it's really going to challenge old stories. And it can, like, there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, I, like, I have all the tools. I wrote a book about like, yes. navigating, and I'm like, my mind is exhausting me right now, you know, like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like, what do I, how do I, what do I do with this? You know? So there's, it can be, I think it can be really exhausting. I think I just always come back to like, uh, I try to bring levity and like, make it almost like, this is hilarious. Like, look at my, (laughs) look at where my mind can go and like, you know, bring a little bit of humor to it. And, you know, of course, grace and compassion, but I find being like, wow, that, that like voice inside my head, like, woo, you know, like, you know, so it, yeah, yeah, it can be, it can be exhausting. What do you, what about you? A 100%. I mean, <laughs> I could mirror everything that you just said. Um, yeah. And I think that was what can become tiresome too. I've been working through this, um, like lately is that there's some things that you can get to easily. Right. Mm. And, and you can unpack it and you can work with it and you can feel like you have clarity on it. 
And there's just some pieces where you're like, Lord, God, universe, source, <laughs> I know you're trying to teach me something here, but I am not picking up what you're putting down. And I know these are one of those moments that I'm going to have to like wait three or four for six months or a year to figure out what you're trying to say. And and it's just like taking a seat and being patient. And I have trouble sometimes with that patient because that my egoic mind flares up and I'll, like that little five-year-old, I want to know, like just tell me what the dang lesson is. Totally. Totally. I so relate to that. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and what was interesting too, I'll bring this up here. So I went through last year and I created um, a membership program because in my one-on-one sessions with people, I couldn't get all of what I wanted to say out in like one 55 minute session or a 45 minute session. And so I worked with the angels and I created one course for each month of the year. There ended up being like 13 different months of coursework to walk people through like awakening and going through each different piece and turning Mm -hmm. over these stones. And um, I was having so much fun, like with the creative pop process. And I had so much fun starting this podcast. And I've really been kind of just sad and in this lower energy over the past couple of weeks, because I know that this year, 2022 for me is about kind of going into the business. The business is totally leveling up in a way that I didn't expect. It's just growing by leaps and bounds. But you know, as a business owner, you have to have the complete structure in place, your team in place, Um, because I was doing all the things before. So I had Mm -hmm. to build out my team. I had to hire more people because having hundreds of people in this angel membership, there's emails every day. There's phone calls every day um, with people with questions. And I want them to have sincere, authentic answers, not just, you know, quick answers. So This year has been about like building out the team. And what I've learned about business is that I get to be the visionary and the creative. I need other people to come in and kind of clean up things for me, but they don't know exactly how I want it to work yet. So so here I am teaching the team, helping clean everything up, getting the business organized. And I've been so down for like the last two weeks. And I finally called a friend actually right before we hopped on here. And I was like, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to talk this through. And what I had this aha moment. I haven't been creative. Like I haven't been getting to work at all with my creative space or my intuition or um, just like birthing new things in. And that's my joy. Like that's what I love to do. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, okay, then I need to make space for that right now. Even if it's like one day a week, work on the business four days, work on this one day. I need that because it's my air. Yes. I feel like I could literally, I would like take what you just said in my voice and my friend would be like, oh, that is Amber's exact thing. Like, literally, Shut up, really? A, like, this is like exactly <laughs> like, I go through that and it's like, it's because it's, I like lose touch with the thing that brings me most alive. It's like the thing that, like you said, gives me air, allows me to show up to the not so fun, if we're honest, like yeah. parts of growing and building a, a business that it's like, I know this is important. I know the structure and the operations and the foundation, like all those pieces are, are important, but like, when do I get to make something again? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you just made me feel so much better because um, I, I didn't realize that everybody kind of felt that way. I think a lot of creators, it's like, and in particularly like, you know, in this like online media world, someone posted something recently where it's like, we've been expected to become like artists and creators have been expected to become media businesses. And like, you know, we, I think what, you know, brings us joy is the making of the thing. But then there's like the timeline of like how frequently we should share and the business model to create around it and all of those things like our, you know, I think new um, parts of ourselves that we're like discovering and honing and then hopefully eventually hiring for. (laughs) Yes. So how do you, how do you work with this too? Okay. I've got a question for you. So so you come out with a book, right? Like you're, you're first, you write the book and there's so much fun and joy and passion in putting the book together. And then 
what I didn't realize is that a lot of people hold the book for six months or even a year or longer than that. And then you go push it out. Um, and then I don't want to say this and people think negatively of me, but that it's kind of like, okay, but that's where I was and now I'm yeah. here. And, and like, I'm actually having to go backwards in my brain to kind of recall what I even said in the book, because now I'm like six steps ahead and I'm onto something totally new that I'm creating. How do you work with that too? I mean, that is this, this book in particular was, you know, it's on its own moving from the place of like the creative process of making a thing is what brings me to life marketing and selling and promoting it, not my favorite. I navigate that by focusing on the things that I love to do, which are like interviews and things like this. So it's like, okay, where, where, what brings me alive in this process that I can do the most of. Um, but what's interesting is that I was literally a different human when I wrote this book because I was married and I was like building a regenerative land project in Baja. And I was like, it was like, it feels like lifetimes ago that I created this book. But ultimately, like what's helped me is I realized that I wrote this book for me as a permission slip to do what I was afraid to do, which was to make these massive life transitions. Like I knew like the person, my ex, like we were best friends, but it wasn't like a romantic partnership. And I was so afraid to be honest with myself and acknowledge that. And I, when I fit, like when I, you know, it's funny, the timeline of the book in my life, but it's, I realized I was telling myself, Amber, the answers are within you. Trust yourself, listen, act on what you know. I know it's scary. I know that like people might judge you and people are going to have so many opinions, but ultimately like you have to stay true to you. Like I go through this book. I was like, I was like telling myself, like, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, I think what helps is that even though like when the book was coming out, I was like, oh man, like this feels forever ago. I thought about how it helped transform like me. And I, I, I tend to believe that the things that we create are, you know, part of our own medicine. And so it, it for me, you know, and it's funny because I met with my intuitive and I was like, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you got to focus like this is your service, like focus on the service, like look what it did to your life over the last, you know, 12 to 14 months, how this book ended up being this massive catalyst for you. Like you made this thing, but it helped make you as well. Um, and so like focusing on that energy helped me show up from a place of like, you know, really like authenticity. Cause it's like, I can't be fake. Like I can't like smile and be like, all right, let's talk about, you know, I had to like, <laughs> I had to find a place within myself where it was like, oh, okay. I'm like in integrity, in alignment, authentically showing up around the like discussion of this book. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense, but like that was, that was my process. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And your energy is such of a teacher, which is so interesting because I think when you tap into a lot of intuitives, we all have different gifts um, and not everybody has that teacher um, piece, right? Uh, Some of us do, and it's just part of the gift that we're here to share. And I find that with all of my teacher friends, um, it's this beautiful dance between us learning the lessons in order to be able to teach the lessons. Yes, 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 yes. Like literally like the material of my life is the material for the book. <laughs> and so it, but it like, it becomes this beautiful, um, yeah, this beautiful dance of like living the thing so that you can share and package and create the thing. I don't know if you know human design. Oh, I, everybody's been telling me about this. I got to look it up. Okay. But like, I also happen to be like a manifesting generator with a one, three profile and literally like my design is to like experiment and fail and do all the things and learn all the lessons so that I can then package that and show that for others. Oh my goodness. Well, I wonder if I'm the same way because I feel like that is my life. (laughs) I've learned to get out of my own way and be like, okay, something's going on here. God would, instead of getting like frustrated or taking it personally myself, all right, here's a lesson. How do I sit down and unpack this one? What is it so that I can go out? But then as soon as you get it and you have that click and that aha moment, it's almost always somebody comes through your door um, who needed 
that exact piece, which I find really fascinating as well, um, because I'm really, really careful with my readings that I'm not projecting onto anybody, but they'll come in and they need that exact information that you just got through the mm-hmm. lesson. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So kind of um, this is number four that I wrote down. Rejection is just redirection. I read mm-hmm. that and I was like, okay, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've, after experiencing a, a lot of creative rejection and going down the path of like, is something wrong with me? Am I not doing it right? Is this not good enough? Like in that like self-critical mindset, um, you know, it, it helped me to think like, wait, no, we're just not meant for each other. Like if we, if me and this thing, that's like, like I think of the process of, for example, um, getting my first book deal. Like I had so many agents tell me no. And like one agent in particular being like, like very harshly, like and critically telling me no. And, um, you know, it's hard not to take that personal, but ultimately it's just like, I, I think it was, you know, the alchemist. I think he was um, Paulo Coelho. I, I want to say he was turned down, I don't know, hundreds of times. And I love that because The Alchemist is one of the most powerful books, you know, it's had such lasting effect. And um, it's just like such a reminder that like, if someone isn't resonating with the thing that I'm creating, it's not a reflection of me, it's just a reflection of like, resonance and um, trusting that what's meant for me will always find me. And like, I think sometimes like, it's like, not everything resonates with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's things where I might read and be like, oh, that's not for me. And that's like not a reflection of the creator. It's just a reflection of my personal preferences. And so I think it's like, ultimately now I'm like, yay, rejection. Like, yay. Like, thank you. Like this no is actually bringing me closer to what's like going to be a bigger yes, because we want that alignment of values and preferences and interests and curiosities. And like, when we find that, which I eventually did with my agent, it was like, oh, you know, it was like this like powerful and like her and I have become so close and she's been so key in my life. But it, you know, it's funny because I like had all these introductions to people from people I knew. And then I went to some dinner party and sat next to a woman and told her a little bit about what I was working on. And she's like, you have to meet my agent. Like, this is perfect for her. And so it was like, of course, this like unexpected moment when I like wasn't trying. I was actually just authentically being myself that she was like, I like you, the the place that you're vibrating on. Like, I know the human that's vibrating there too. You guys have to meet. That's and so amazing. I think that's like, I think that's why it's like, instead of being like, oh, I'm like, some, I'm not enough. It's like, no, this is redirecting me to like, what's for me. Yeah. So yay, rejection. <laughs> yay, rejection. Yay, rejection. Um, you know, it's interesting that you said, though, too, that, you know, not everything is for us and it's OK for us to know that, too. But I think that's one of the biggest regrets, though, that I have in doing this podcast is there were times earlier on where I was like, OK, somebody's doing something a different way and it, it doesn't resonate with me. And I would talk about a couple of times like here on the show, but I'm the type of person that um, marinate sometimes on everything that I've said. And there have been times where I've judged like other healers and the way that they're doing things. And every single time I do and I allow myself to speak that judgment, spirit will come back. And they'll show Mm. me um, where I was wrong and why they actually did things the way that they did. I might not have understood it at the time, but that healer had a very specific reason of why they were doing things the way that they did. And so I learned like that was my motto coming into 2022 no judgment. Like I'm not judging anybody anymore for anything. And if something doesn't resonate, I must not be at a consciousness level of understanding what they've seen and what they've been through. Mm, mm, mm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So moving instead from a place of curiosity. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's see. Um, I know this one and I think we've all heard it, but we need to say it again on the podcast because it's really powerful. Number five, like the emotion lifespan or sorry, the lifespan of an emotion is only about 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
but the story we tell ourselves about it is what sticks. Oh, explain and so that. there's what happens and there's what we make what happens mean. So um, I don't know, person breaks our heart. We might make that mean I'm unlovable. Um, and like someone says no, when we present them with an opportunity, I'm not talented enough or good enough. And so it's actually, it's not the like, it's, it's almost like when we jump into the meaning in the story, we're not allowing ourselves the space to feel the grief or the sadness or the like feeling of rejection. Um, and so if we just allow ourselves like, oh, person rejected me or whatever it is, or like, this didn't work out how I would have liked this didn't go how I expected, like, oh, there's disappointment there. There's grief there. If we just like sit with the feeling without jumping into the story, then it's like the feeling we can feel the sensation we can breathe through it and it'll pass and go. But it's like, we're so quick to like be in the thinking about the feeling rather than the feeling of the feeling that like that story can spin and spin and spin and take us like, I mean, we can spend a lifetime in a story that can recreate feelings again and again and again, because we like, we'll then continue to look for the, okay, so guy broke up with me. I'm not lovable. Now I'm going to move through life looking for evidence that I'm not lovable or move through life looking for evidence that I'm not good enough to do whatever it is, or that um, things will never go my way or whatever, whatever the core belief is. Um, And so, yeah, it's such a reminder that like when we, experience things that make us feel a certain way just let the feeling come past like really like being the feeling of it like sink into like I've been practicing lately because my therapist is like do you realize that you're quite the thinker and you want the framework (laughs) for the thing to understand the thing so that you have the aha moment so that you can like she's like but just like sink into your hips like feel the weight of your body and then like in that space of being feel yeah and so that's something I've been practicing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, and I think that the way that I came to this, you know, over the years, and I always am still practicing, you know, this, but um, at first I would be in attachment. I would be attached to the thought. And then I'd catch myself and say, oh my God, I'm so deep in this, like, and this um, story that I've been telling myself. And I think at first I would really beat myself up for that. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I had to get to a point where I reframed it and go, no, I'm so proud of myself because I was aware of it. I caught it. I was conscious of it. And as soon as I started to reframe it, I feel like the timeline got shorter and shorter for I would catch it faster. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. It's so easy to like then shame spiral because we're stuck in a story and I should have the tools, you know, which is yet (laughs) another belief. (laughs) And so I love that like gentleness and awareness, like, Ooh, I'm aware, like point of celebration, not point of like, Oh, you should have caught that sooner, you know? Yes. Be proud of ourselves. Beautiful souls. Do you regularly see repeating numbers, cardinals, or other signs? If so, your angels and loved ones on the other side are trying to tell you something. These signs aren't just a cute hello from the universe. These messages go deeper. These messages are about you, your life, your relationships, your purpose, and how God needs to work through you in this lifetime. Friends, we all go through moments where we question, am I doing this right? Am I on the right track? The thing is, our higher self knows the true answer. Our angels and loved ones in heaven do too. I've worked with the angels to channel the steps you can take to uncode your own personal messages and clearly hear answers from the other side. This workshop will give you your own unique way of communicating with your spirit team and leaning on them for support. After this workshop, you'll be able to integrate these steps into your life to clearly communicate with your angels daily. This workshop is on Saturday, March 26, 2022 at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. It's called Signs and Angel Numbers, a divine guide to clearly understanding your angels. If you're an angel member, this workshop is included in your membership. Non-members can register for this workshop on my website, theangelmedium.com. 
And if you're listening to this in the future, you can also check it out on the website as well. So, so on this subject, you also said this so beautifully, it's really how we interpret the stories of our life. And I love that word interpret because we could interpret anything in a negative way. We could interpret anything in a positive way. So we have to go into the interpretation of the stories we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think this is like really being, you know, I like to think of myself as like an investigator or a detective or even like an anthropologist where it's like when I'm in this space of observation of like, hmm, how am I, what am I, yeah, what am I making this mean? And like, even like in relationship, like it's so easy to like witness a behavior, make it personal and then go into some story around how like, oh no, is like this person losing interest. And I find it so helpful to even in, in relationships to be like, here's the story I'm telling myself. Brene Brown talks about this a lot. Or like what I made your behavior mean is this. Um, and like that, that slowing down when we find ourselves worked up and being like, wait, 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 what happened and what was my interpretation of it? Like allows us to be like, is that actually true? And like, is it useful? Like, is like, cause I think we can like, well, maybe it's kind of true because, you know, I like, I've, I noticed that like, is it true can sometimes take me into like overanalyzing, but like, is it useful? Is it serving me? Probably not. If I'm like interpreting in a way that's causing me pain or suffering or, you know, wrecking havoc. Yeah. And, um, I like when you say it's so, uh, or like you would talk about in the book, you'd said, it's so interesting that I, I reacted in this way when X happened, um, like just looking at it and identifying it and seeing it is really the catalyst to shift everything moving forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Once you can illuminate, wait, that's what I'm making that mean. You can be like, wait, I can choose to interpret this differently. Yeah. So we've all heard about like the um, inner critic and you talk about the inner critic in the book, but you're the first person I've ever heard use the term the inner artist and your inner mm. artist. And mm -hmm. you really talk about that creative piece within us. Mm -hmm. How did you did you come up with this this term? I don't you know, it's funny. I'm like, when did I mention the inner artist? <laughs> It's in the book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, you know, I think in my creative process, I think about three key parts of us, which are the inner artist, the inner editor, and the inner agent. And so the inner artist is the, so I'm remembering now, yes, is the like the sensitive, creative, the part of us that like is not ready for feedback or is not ready for, you know, here's what I think about this. It's that like really safe space of discovery and play and trying things on where it's like, there are no rules. There is no right or wrong here. Like this doesn't need to be good. Like the goal is like messiness and like discovery. It's funny. So I recently got a piano and I've been, I was classically trained for nine years, which creates a rigidity in you and creates a, like, you have to play a certain way. And Beethoven is like this. And like, and a friend was here last night and he's a brilliant musician. And he was like, well, just, just play what you want to play. And I was like, ah, I, what? Like, I don't know how to do that. And my inner artist was like, I can't even come out and play right now because my editor is so loud telling me you have to play the piano a certain way. It has to like sound like this. It needs to be perfect. Like, and it was so interesting to witness like the inner artist being scared to express itself. And so we need to create, like, if we want to tap into the artist within us, which I believe we all have artists within us, like it's creating this like safe, um, really like sandbox for play, which is like, you know, you can't mess up, like let it like, just like follow what feels good. And we set these like different, like, like healthy rules and constraints for ourselves to be able to invite that artist out. And then it's like, once we move from the place, and this is how I approach writing a book. Once I have like enough material that has like gone through enough, like messiness and expression and I've gotten to something where I'm like, Ooh, okay, this feels good. That's when I then invite in the inner editor, which tends to have more of that like critical eye 
you know? And I think it's like, sometimes we can be so wrong to shame our inner critic when it's just like, actually, sometimes it's like the healthy expression of the inner critic is like the editor that like sees how good something could be. It's like the tastemaker almost inside of us. That's like, this is good, but here's how we can make it great. And like goes in and considers like, who is this for? Um, You know, like, what do you want them to feel? Like it almost like the artist is so like self-absorbed and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like needs to be so like about myself that like the editor comes in and is like, and now let's create with the consideration of other. Well, is it that they're so self-absorbed or is it that really what needs to come through needs to come through in God, universe, sources, spirits way? Because a lot of times what's birthed through me and to your point earlier with the book that you wrote, sometimes we don't even know the power of what's being birthed through us until six months, a year, a year later. Totally. But there is this aching for the artist that there are things that just come through us. Like we have to birth these artistic babies because they're needed here. They're so needed. And I love that you said that it is this, like when I'm in that space and when I see creators in that space of artist mode, it is a channeling. It is a, this thing is coming through me. And like, I experienced this with with my writing where I'm like, I don't even know who's writing right now. But I think it's like, it's the perception that like, oh, this is like too much like about me. Why I see people like afraid to go in the artist. It's like, it's like, oh, but I'm not, I need to like make this for someone or I need to like be of service where it's like, no, 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 no. Connect to what is aching inside of you, what you are dying to express and let it emerge first from that place. You know, and then the editor can come in and later and to help shape the work and be like, you know, how does this like, yeah, what, who, are, who are you? Like, I went to a workshop when I was finishing my first book with um, Liz Gilbert and Cheryl Strayed. And Liz said that she always like writes to one person. And so she like has the person in mind that she's writing to. And so that helped me to take a few of my pieces that I felt like weren't quite there yet. Um, like, but like had and, and to consider, wait, like, who would I sit down and have a glass of wine or a, a tea with? And who would I like want to talk to this topic about? Okay. Now like thinking about sitting down, like, okay, now how would I write it for her? So I feel like that's where the editor can move in. It's like less of the, it's less of the channeler. It's more of the shaper. That's amazing. That's so amazing. Oh, well, in going into that inner editor too, that's a fascinating way to look at it because if we can just allow space for that inner artist to play and to channel, um, you're right. Then when she feels safe and she's birthed in what she needs to, you're right. Then you can get to this point of like acceptance of, okay, I got to mold this. I got to shape this a little bit more because that is not the fun part. <laughs> no. <laughs> not. no. Not. And, you know, and then, and we can also hire editors and like have, yeah. you know, people who support us when we, when we're stuck. Um, but I also think that that's, you know, a part within us. And I think when it's like most particularly critical is like, if we're trying, like when I was writing my first book, I was like, I'd get like three sentences in and my inner editor would be like, this sucks. This isn't very good. This isn't going to resonate. Like, you can't say that. Ooh, that's really honest. Are you sure you want to be that honest? And I was like, (laughs) you know, like shut up. Like, you know, it was like overwhelming, but I had to finally come to a place of like, oh, you know, thank you inner editor for trying to make something really great we're not there yet. We're in messy. We're like, and not very good. Like, so like, again, like go get, you know, go on a pool floaty, go get it, like go enjoy yourself. (laughs) I'll let you know when I'm inviting you in. So it's just like, I find in particular when in the artist, like, Oh, that's the editor speaking right now. And the editor is not welcome here right now. Yes. That so resonates with me because I think that that would allow more flow if everybody brought that process into their creative exploration. Um, Just out of curiosity, your first book, how many times did you personally go back and like look at it and edit it and read through it? And then their second book, do you remember how many times you did it? Oh, it's funny. Um, My first one, I was like obsessive um, to the point where like, a week before it was due, I chopped 5,000 words. And like, it was, it was a lot. Second book, I was kind of like, good, I'm going to hand that in. 
So it was like, it was interesting. The first time brought up all the like, you know, when we do anything for the first time, it brings a lot of like, we don't really know what we're doing. I'm not a mother yet, but I can imagine the first baby feels different than the second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so because like... my first book, yeah, I, I really think I went through and read that at least like 20 times. Um, and, and it was just painful to like do it. And now I'm kind of at this point where I've got ideas floating around about what I want to write next. And yet that, editing process and how long it takes has just been this block for me of like, I don't, I don't like it, but this helps. And, and one thing that you said in the book, um, I wrote down number nine, if I remembered the point of making art is to be moved by the process, how might I design my day and week differently? You wrote that in your book and I was like, duh, you know, um, if you just bring in that creative piece and just allow your inner artist to create, then you make space for the editor, but it can't be the opposite way around. Totally. And yeah, the, like, I think we so often focus when we're making things like, how do I make something great? And it's like, no, how do I move myself? Because if we're moving ourselves, we're going to create something that's like tapped in and extraordinary. And, and where that came from is when I was writing my first book, like the thing I sold to a publisher when I started writing, I was so bored. I was like not moved by the writing. I was like, la, la, like, and then I was like, how, wait, how can I move myself? And moving myself required me to become way more raw, way more vulnerable to like reveal and share things that um, you know, felt terrifying to put on paper, let alone in a book that other people would, you know, consume. But it's, I found that in that process, I was like moved in the writing, which, you know, the reader can feel, people can feel the energy that we put into what we create. And so if it's like, you know, if it's, if we're trying to be great, I feel like you, that can be felt. But if we're trying to be like tapped in and moved in a vessel, I think that can be felt too. Yes. And that was actually the one thing that the angels whispered as I was writing the book was just stay in oneness energy. That's all you have to do is just stay in oneness energy. And from that space, anything I needed would come through. Let's talk about this because I thought this was really brilliant as well. Again, friends, I love, love, love the way that Amber words things. Courage requires fear. Mm hmm. And you say fear is an emotion to dance with. Mm -hmm. Oh, Amber, this is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Talk mm -hmm. to us about, about this. Yeah, it, it, this came from because so many people were coming to me being like, I want to be more courageous. Like courage is my word of the year. And, you know, or like courage, I want to like tap into that, like courageous part of me. And, and, and what I thought was interesting is that I think sometimes we don't realize that like courage, like in order for us to show up with courage, we have to be, there has to be some level of like adversity or discomfort or something that like is requiring courage. <laughs> and so when we call on courage, I don't, I think sometimes we, we don't realize that we're calling on discomfort. And so it's, you know, whether that's exploring a new part of ourselves, whether that's you know, creating something that we are aching to, but afraid to create. Um, you know, I fear for me is so much of a compass. Like uh, the thing I'm like afraid to write tends to be the thing that my soul is aching to write. And so rather than seeing fear as this something that I like need to back down from, it's like, again, it's a dance. It's like, oh, hello, fear. Like, would you like to waltz? You know, like, would you like, let's move around this room and let's look into each other's eyes and like, let's like move the energy through us and be like, I see you, you know, and like, thank you for illuminating what is meaningful to me. Thank you for illuminating what I care about now. Okay. Thank you for that dance fear. Now, hello, courage. Why don't you come dance with me? Let's look into each other's eyes. Let's like tune into the power of like what we're about to embark on and like, let's go. And so, you know, I think whenever I'm entering a new creative project, which I'm about to start my third book, it's like, I've got fear in one hand and then I've got courage in the other. And like, I know we're going into the writing process together. 
That's amazing. All right. So kind of similarly, the uh, the last thing that I want to tell the audience really about the book, because I loved this line too, um, the feeling of overwhelm invites you to step into your power. And this kind of correlates with what you were just saying. But I think that's just such a powerful statement. The feeling of overwhelm, which we all go through, invites you to step into your power. And I don't know about you, but this process for me, you know, I just started this podcast. My my dad had passed away. Um, I started hearing from him a month before family called to let me know. Um, left corporate America to go start understanding how he was coming through. Left my job to come into this. Started the podcast a couple of years later, thinking um, that maybe like a hundred people would listen to it. We might get two point five million downloads this year. Ooh. which is Crazy, yeah. But every time. I feel like as I've gone through this journey, spirit calls me to level up and level up and level up. And just like you look at your family or your children or your person and you're like, I couldn't love you anymore. And then love goes deeper. You feel like, wow, spirit, this has been a wild ride. Like I couldn't you know, where is there to level up from here? And they're like, oh no, <laughs> there's more, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a life coach and works with just these wildly successful presidents and CEOs. And he said, Julie, the more successful a person gets, the more anxiety that they feel, the more stress that they feel, the more overwhelmed that they feel. Um, and I have been like molding and sculpting this lesson myself um, because it it does keep you up at night sometimes. I mean, when you're paying a huge team of people um, to do this work that you cannot do by yourself. I mean, there's a point at which your business grows. And if you want to keep offering the things to all the people, you have to have a team of folks helping you. Um, how do you work with this? The feeling mm -hmm. overwhelms invites you to step into your power. I mean, it, it so connects to everything you just said. And it's, it's again, it's like, what is, what's the story we're telling ourselves when we are overwhelmed? And oftentimes it's like, I can't handle this. This is too much. Like I, and when we move into that place, like, yeah, overwhelm is going to take over. But over like life, I believe, presents us with everything we are capable of navigating. And so for me, like, you know, in seasons of like, comfort and this feels good. Like <laughs> I'm not really leveling up, you know, it's not yeah. like a big season of growth. It might be a season of enjoyment, which is wonderful and beautiful. But the moments, like I think of this last year, most overwhelming year of my life, like most intense, most like I've never dealt with the situations I was facing. And yet it was the most beautiful and transformative year of my entire life. And I think part of what made it beautiful is in those moments of intense overwhelm or uncertainty or like, whoa, I can't like, how could I possibly handle this right now? It was like, I'm made to handle this. Like I've got this, like life is presenting me this so that I can like really own my power and like live from truth. And so like, okay, instead of like, it's like, it almost is like quiets the mind, the overwhelm. And it's like, okay, how, like with the purest presence, like how can I like authentically show up and like move through this and like move, not even like through this, but like be in this and like embrace the inness of it. And just like, almost like it, it allowed me to like shift from a place of like, it was like the story was already written and I was learning the lines. And so in those moments of intense overwhelm, which is like, I, my only like requirement is presence and like being fully here. And then like, you know, life is going to, the river is going to flow and I'm going to flow with it. What's that line from the Bible, you know, like when you worry, you know, think about the birds and if God takes care of the birds every single day, God's going to take care of you. Um, when I was very first doing this work, just one-on-one -on -one with people, I 
the first couple of times you're doing a session for a client, I was so scared. And I remember my angels just like presenting themselves and say, Julie, you only have to stay in oneness. If you just stay in oneness, what needs to th come through you will come through. And then I went to write the book and I was so nervous, you know, um, cause I was really raw and really vulnerable in the book. And, um, they just said, just stay in oneness, just stay in oneness. And now, and you, you start to feel it. There's patterns with your business and how it grows. Like you said, you have those joy moments, but then you also have these level up moments. And so we've been going through that and they've been whispering over the last two weeks, just stay in oneness, just stay in oneness. And, um, and just as the birds are taken care of, everything will be taken care of too. I was actually in meditation this morning and, um, my angels came in and they said, Julie, we wouldn't have had you hire people if, if we weren't going to be taken care of all of this is taken care of. And so, um, that felt really good, really good. Mm -hmm. I love that staying oneness. Yeah. 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 I'm going to uh, let that be a mantra for me. Yay. Oh, Amber, <laughs> I love your energy. Thank you so you much too. for, um, you know, coming on the show, but then also just thank you, like as a healer for all the work that you're doing in this world. Um, your book is the answers are within you 108 keys to unlock your mind, body, and soul. Um, you can find it. I'm sure on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Um, where, where else can people find you? People can find me. Hey, Amber Ray is my Instagram. Um, I also amberray.com. And if anyone, I'm, I love journaling. It's like one of my go-to tools. I also have a free journaling guide in my Instagram profile. If you want to get some techniques and methods and soul prompts to really wake up the answers within you. Ooh, I love it. That's so awesome. Amber will be back on the show this summer to share a couple angel stories with us. Thank you so much Ooh. for being here. And all of the links that Amber just shared are going to be in the show notes below. Beautiful souls, I just want us to take a moment and pray together. I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I just want you to feel your crown chakra opening at the top of your head. I want you to feel God's loving oneness energy pouring like a waterfall of love into your entire body, surrounding your auric field, filling every molecule of space within you, surrounding you. And I want you to feel that you are so filled to the brim with oneness energy that it begins to radiate out like the rays of energy that radiate out from the sun. And friends, what I want to do this month is every time you come to the podcast, I want us just to pray together. The reason we pray, we have shown it scientifically, it does make a difference. When you pray, they have shown scientifically that it does something within another person's energy field. That person might not know that they are being prayed for, but something is happening energetically. So let's come together right now today and just pray. Ah, uh, Danny, if you could take that over again. So let's just come together today and pray. There's a lot happening in the world right now, and this is not about letting fear consume you. This is about taking your energy and directing it the way you want it to go. And so we're going to use our intention today. We're going to use the love that God has just poured into us today to radiate that love out, radiate our intent, prayers, ask God to surround angels with the people on earth who need it. And in particular today, we're going to ask that God surround with angels, 
the people of Ukraine, to provide the people of Ukraine with angels that give them strength, that give them hope, that give them divine wisdom. Friends, this isn't a political thing whatsoever. This is a human thing. This is a collective consciousness thing. And what we're doing today is bringing more love into this world. So I want you to just take a moment to pray with me. Dear God, universe source, we know that there are babies that uh, should be in a NICU right now, special needs children who should be in an ICU hospital right now who are not able to because of the conflict that is happening in Ukraine. And God, we ask you to protect those children, to heal those children, to surround those children with the angels that they need to give them everything, to become fully 110% healthy. God, universe source, we pray for the mothers who are pregnant right now, who are fear-filled of how they're going to give birth, where they're going to give birth. We ask you to put their hearts, their minds at ease and create a safe place for them to bear children into this world. God, we pray for the displaced families the children who are unsure of what's going on, who have fear in their hearts. We pray for those children to be surrounded by angels of comfort, angels of love who fill them up so that they know they're not alone and they feel a semblance of safety, of security. We also play, pray for those displaced families, those who are left behind, those who are still fighting. God, we ask you to give them courage. We ask you to give them strength. We ask you to fill them with every single thing that it is that they need to get through this time in their life. God, Universe Source, we ask you to provide everyone in Ukraine with angels to surround them. God, Universe Source, we also pray for those who have lost somebody in this conflict, that you help bring healing to the hearts of those who are left behind. And friends, I just want you to take a moment to add in your own prayer right here, right now. Friends, your angels ask you to hold a vision of future earth. And that is one filled with peace, with love, where there is all peace on earth. And if your egoic mind comes in, gets in the way and says, that's not possible, Julie, it is. We all have to hold that vision within our minds right now. So start by holding it within yours, by seeing all of earth as peace-filled, as loving towards one another. Your angels say that now more than ever, it's so important for you to do your own work on yourself because when you're spiritually healthy individually, it leads to us being spiritually healthy as a collective. So doing the work on yourself individually lends itself to peace within all. When you have peace within you, we can have peace within the collective. So friends, please know that your angels do not want you to be fear-filled. They want you to, anytime your egoic mind brings in fear, use your intention. Use your ability to pray. There is no wrong way to pray. 
to pray for people you care about, even if you don't know them. Use this opportunity to look at your own life and the lessons that God, universe, source, your angels are trying to bring into you right now on how to bring more peace into your life so that as you create a more peace-filled world for yourself, we can come into a more peace-filled collective as a whole. Friends, I want you to see one more time peace on earth, peace within yourself, peace within your own life. I want you to send that energy that you are filled with, that oneness energy, out to the world, out to the people of Ukraine, out to everyone on this planet who needs it. Remember, it's not coming from you. It's coming through you from God, universe, source. If you allow it to, that oneness energy is an unlimited source that will flow through you to everybody who needs it here on earth. Friends, thank you for coming together. Thank you for praying with me. Thank you for sending love out into the universe. Every single time your egoic mind tries to bring you back into a fear state, I just want you to stop for 30 seconds, call in your angels and just pray. Just feel that oneness automatically radiating within your body and just send it out into the world to those who need it. Friends, I love you. Spirit loves you. Your angels, your loved ones on the other side, they are looking out for you. They're with you right here, right now. Open up your heart to miracles, to blessings, to this vision of peace filling this world. Bye, friends.